Hey everyone, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me for this episode of the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I've got guests in the studio that know a thing or two about what's happening in education, particularly as it relates to the state of Washington. But I promise you, it doesn't matter if you're in Washington or Oklahoma or Delaware or South Dakota, what's happening in Washington is happening all over the country. Jennifer Heine Withy is here with me. She is the Education Awareness Project Consultant with the Family Policy Institute of Washington. And Sam Sandin is in the studio with me. He is an associate pastor at Father's House Church in Longview. This is going to be a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. Well, before we jump right into uh, the topic du jour, I want to remind you that we are in the middle right now of a wonderful Bible study in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapters 1 to 11. I have titled that study Supernatural, Having a Creator Changes Everything, and it really does. Uh, All the issues that we are dealing with right now in the culture are addressed, literally addressed, in the book of Genesis, whether it's the value and sanctity of human life, it's marriage, whether it's gender roles, God said I created you male and female. Race is addressed. We are all one race, the human race, and we find this in the book of Genesis. If you would like to study along with me, you can find me at faiththatspeaks.com. It was formerly MomStrong International, open to any woman who wants to participate. And so I hope you guys will join me. This is a great time to jump into the Word of God. Listen, you guys, the culture might be in crisis, but God's people don't need to be. The Word of God was given to us to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Also, we have a brand new subscription service here at the show. You guys know this by now. I'm going to keep telling you, uh, we've got some really great guests that will stay after the show and kind of do an afterglow happy hour with me. And we're going to do that again today. And so if you are subscribed to the podcast, it's $6.99 a month, then you can subscribe by going to Spotify. Just click on the subscribe tab and bam, it's going to show up wherever your podcast is streaming. So in other words, if you listen to this on Overcast or BeanPod or Apple, if you sign up for the subscription at Spotify, the uh, the extra subscriber content will stream to whatever platform you are listening to. So I hope you guys will do that. It's a great way for you to get more content and go deeper with my guests, but it's also a phenomenal way for you to support this podcast in a tangible way. All right. Well, I want to introduce you guys to Jennifer and Sam. They've both been here before, but never together at the same time. So I'm excited to have them in the studio. Hey, guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to jump right into what's happening here in Washington State. And Jennifer, I'll start with you because we want to tell people about the conference that's coming up uh, this Saturday at Father's House Church in Longview. But you and I met a long time ago in the fight against comprehensive sex education. And uh, I immediately sensed this is a warrior mama off the bench and onto the battlefield. What got you engaged? Because you didn't always do this. What got you interested in what's happening in our school system? Well, you sensed that I was a warrior mama before I sensed I was a warrior mama. (laughs) (laughs) I like to pull it out of people. (laughs) I got engaged in this because uh, comprehensive sexual education was coming into my kid's school district. And it was something I had never seen before. And the what district is this? This is the Battleground School District. So it's where I live. So for yeah. full disclosure, people are like, where's that? That's that's actually the town in which I live. Yeah. And so when I tell people there's crazy stuff happening in small town America, I know what I'm talking about. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the name really did fit for the battle that we fought. 
we fought for, oh, a year and a half and was able to keep comprehensive sexual education out of the district. And we caught the attention of our superintendent of public instruction for the state. Chris Reichdahl. Chris Reichdahl. And it was at that time now, I don't know if it was our fault, but it was at that time that he started lobbying legislators for a mandate in our state. The, uh, the result of that is we now have mandated K-12 through comprehensive sexual education in the state of Washington. And I think what people need to know about this, and I've said it before, but there are a lot of new people listening to the show. This is not your grandmother's sex ed. This is not what we remember in school. Tell listeners a little bit about what comprehensive sex ed is. Comprehensive sexual education is based on the work of a gentleman named Alfred Kinsey. And he studied the sexual responses of children. He had uh, men who were pedophiles experiment on kids as young as a few months old, tracking how long it took them to achieve what he determined was an orgasm. And this was uh, characterized by them writhing, screaming, moaning. So he's injuring them is what he's doing. Yes. He's injuring these little babies. And this guy who is obviously, this is demonic. It is wickedness of the highest level. It goes against everything in the heart of God because God's heart is for children. And yet this is the basis for our modern sex education instruction. Absolutely. And I would uh, tell anybody who is doubting this to simply go and Google Alfred Kinsey Table 34, and you can see the results of his work. And so from his work, what he theorized is kids are sexual beings from birth, that they deserve to explore their sexuality, sexual pleasure, um, in to advocate for their own sexual health um, and have the freedom to explore sex and sexuality. And parents and the church often get in the way of those rights and that freedom. And this is a platform that comprehensive sexual education is built on. And so they teach kids about gender identity and different types of sex, different types of sexuality, um, sex for pleasure. It, it's not teaching kids about their bodies, puberty, what is happening when they uh, develop, um, teaching about uh, um, reproduction and um, pregnancy. Mm-hmm. In it's order, it's the things that we remember. That's they mean yeah. they, they kind of said this is how your body and they would separate the boys and the girls and they would say exactly. this is how your body works and this is how this is how babies are made. Yes. And it was very factual, just based in biology. This is not based in biology. This is based in ideology, correct? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Uh because, you know, there are things that are factual in it, but they will tell kids that uh um sex is assigned at birth not identified. Crazy. Um, They tell kids when it gets to uh, teaching about gender that uh, some people think they're a boy, some think they're a girl, some think they're both, some think they're neither. And some districts are telling them there there are um, any number of genders and identity. And it's 
basically the way a person feels. And this becomes more important than biological sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And it's injuring our children. We're seeing this now from stem to stern. And when I met you, you know, I was trying to rally the troops down here because I had just heard about what was happening in our schools. And even though my kids are homeschooled, I recognize that the kids that are coming out of our public school system are tomorrow's leaders. These are tomorrow's doctors, tomorrow's teachers, tomorrow's judges, tomorrow's lawmakers, and we're injuring their minds. Exactly. And that's the point of this whole thing, right? Exactly. Uh, This idea that children are sexual from birth is the mantra of the radical left that is basically in control of our universities and of our education system. All you got to do is look at the National Educators Association, one of the most corrupt unions. Uh, in the entire nation, and they are pushing this garbage morning, noon, and night. William Wilberforce said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. Absolutely. And that's why we're doing this. You know, if people want to hide their their heads uh, underneath the covers or, you know, bury their heads in the sand, that's fine. But Heidi St. John going to shout from the rooftops, this is our watch, right? We have an opportunity to do something right now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And you guys at at Family Policy Institute of Washington are partnering with Father's House Church. And um, I'm going to move to you for just a second, Sam, because you're an associate pastor there. And I've known you in full disclosure, this wonderful human being and his wife were hugely helpful with my campaign, my run for Congress. And it encourages me because of the role that God has given you as a pastor and you're hosting this conference. So tell us a little bit about the um, why you think the church should be engaging in this conversation? You know, I think uh, for us as believers, it's important that that we mm-hmm. stand for what we believe. And uh, I think why there's such a conflict is because we are standing on the truth mm-hmm. and we are not backing down. We're not conforming to what the, uh, the current uh, understanding of certain things are. We go back to the word and see what the word says. And that's, that's the truth. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why there's such an attack on the church in this matter. You know, we didn't go looking for this battle. It, it came to us mm-hmm. and, um, and just keep this, they keep pushing back because they know that really the church and the truth is the only thing standing in the way of, of this taking over everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by getting, you know, the, the world to focus on things that should not be focused on. It's so easy then to, um, manipulate or 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 control or or lead in certain directions that are not healthy and uh, and, and like you mentioned as well, it's like this is the next generations of leaders and yeah. um, and I think for for a long time we have taken that step back and kind of disengaged from culture because uh, we didn't want to offend people mm-hmm. or we should separate you know the public square against the from the church and uh, and just it's a false dichotomy because truly if if God has saved me and changed my life, surely that should affect everything I do and how I live my life. And um, and we need to re-engage because when we take that step back, it's someone else is going to come and take the high point and 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 really share their values. And uh, and you might hear you know people saying, "Well, you can't legislate morality." Well, there 
whatever you legis- yeah everything is morality it's just <laughs> yeah. whose morality it is right yeah right. and this this false um argument from um from culture saying that we should stay in the corner it's it's not true yeah. because they are not neutral and whether they call it faith or or a worldview they are determined to make sure that everyone believes what they believe and uh, and I think it's so important for us to to realize that the world is not neutral to our faith. Uh, in fact, it's a hostile place we're in, and we need to do what we can to uh, to inform our church members what what's going on. At the same time, saying that this this can't happen on our watch. These are the social rights issues of our time, truly. And um, and it's been interesting to see some of the pushback that has come in regards to just us allowing family policy to be. In our venue, and uh, and people are talking about that we are chasing this mirage, and we should focus on uh, getting students to to succeed well in writing and, and reading and in math, and that's exactly what we want them to do, right. and stay out of right. the other stuff. So yeah, yeah. it's like what what we are being accused of doing is the very thing the other side is doing. So mm-hmm. I think it's time for the church to understand that we have been given um, uh, a charge. To stand for truth and stand for justice, and looking in the Old Testament, or sorry, in the New Testament, and see what happened with with the the early church and how they were so instrumental in transforming the whole of society, and I think we forget about that, and and the world doesn't want to acknowledge where where did the universities come from, where did the healthcare come from, where did you know um, fighting slavery come from? Mm-hmm. It was because of a biblical worldview that people yeah. understood that that people matter and have a value. And and I think what's what's happening now is um, we see especially this push in our schools that um, that value is all about feeling and how you feel and and you being validated to do whatever you want. But there's that's not how 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 life operates. Mm-hmm. We have um, you know God knew what He did when He He gave us the Ten Commandments, right? It's the the guardrail that that gives us freedom, true freedom, and. Um, because what happens otherwise is we just get snared in our own, um, as we as believers would call it, sin and selfishness, and and that brings us bondage and not freedom. Mm-hmm. And the very opposite, what they're claiming to do with this, uh, pushing a, a yeah. second sexual revolution, really. Yeah, it is. Well, what are we on like fifth wave feminism now? And so now we're going to be, you know, now we've we've transferred the the burden to our children. And it's very sad. Sam, I, I, I find this really interesting. You know, you know, I love this conversation because as a very outspoken Christian, I ran for Congress and I took my faith to the public square. And I think that that's where God says it's supposed to be. Uh, yep. And so I'm curious if you'd speak into this for just a minute, because I, I do still hear this from time to time. You know, the church's primary responsibility should just be it should be the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Well, we can agree it's the gospel that changes people. It's the gospel that we a need for salvation. But my question to you is, because um, I believe this, why can't we do both? Why does it have to be the gospel or? Why can't it be the gospel and? Yep. I guess that's, that's. I mean, what do you say to to listeners who are just like, oh, these pastors and they're, you know, they're getting involved in politics. Stay in your lane, Sam. Stay <laughs> in your lane. I think it's very clear when the Bible talks about Jesus being our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to focus on the Savior. And mm-hmm. if that's all we're preaching, we're preaching yeah. a ticket to heaven. But God did not only want to, you know, bring people to heaven. He wants to transform the place we're in and make it a little bit more like heaven. You know, we're we're charged to pray in the Lord's Prayer that his kingdom comes and his will yeah. be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And his will is more than just people going to heaven. He wants to see the fruits of, of his kingdom, which is, you know, righteousness, it's love, it's the hope, it's health, it's healing and, and restoration. And, and we can't get to that if all we're talking about is only gospel, because it's really half the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. It's repent and be saved. And it needs to be that transformative lifestyle as well, because if, if all we have is a personal faith that no one knows, what's the impact in the world around us? Because as I read, you know, in, in Matthew, when Jesus talks about, you know, producing good fruit and so forth, it's the fruit has to be seen. Mm. And, and how can it be seen if we have this private faith that does not supposedly um, affect the way we uh, perform our, our work or how we interact with our neighbors or, or how we raise our kids? It, it's a disconnect. And I think we've we made it easy yeah. uh, to say that it's just the gospel or, or only the gospel. The gospel yeah. is more than just uh, salvation of our soul. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, Psalm 107, verse 2, which I quote all the time here at the show, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I mean, we're called to say so. Let's talk about the conference that you're, you guys are hosting because mm -hmm. Family Policy Institute of Washington is bringing a call to action, a crisis in K-12 education. This is a big deal. And you've got some great speakers there, including one of our uh, state representatives, which is wonderful. What, is the, what are people going to learn at this thing? Why are you guys doing it? This is a part of actually a statewide series that we're doing. And we're traveling all around the state. This will be uh, our fifth conference. And we have two more that are in the planning stages. But we're going to uh, different communities, different parts of the state, and telling them and showing them what is going on in the Boy, public the showing schools. showing is powerful. <laughs> yes. You, you can't unsee this stuff. Correct. Once you see it and you go, oh, my word, you saw that in what? I mean, I'm sitting here with a binder in front of me right now. Uh, the first page in it, one of the first pages, is a sixth grade comprehensive sex education worksheet that you're supposed to complete with a partner. And they're writing true or false. Number four, uh, boys only get erections when they think about something sexual. Correct. What in the actual, what in the world? No, number seven, true or false. You can tell whether a girl is menstruating by looking at her. They're supposed to be having these conversations with a partner. Right. And in you know, the classroom. I got that from a mother whose daughter brought that home. She was in tears because she was partnered with a boy in her class oh, I can't to even. answer those questions together. Yeah. And the poor girl was traumatized. I yeah. mean, sixth grade, you're talking about 12. They're not ready. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, it just makes me so angry. I think about myself at 12. I'm sorry. I was still playing King of the Mountain uh, on the tires at school. I know because I uh -huh. broke my ankle doing it. <laughs> and I think these kids, their bodies are not ready. Their minds no. are not ready. Their hearts no. are certainly not equipped to handle this stuff. And they're literally... I mean, I can't even read this stuff, half of it, on the air. Mm -hmm. And yet we're talking about sixth grade kids. I mean, a girl possibly being partnered with a boy. You know what they're trying to do? And, and Kinsey was really good, really committed to this. They're trying to break down your defenses. Exactly. We normalize the things that are abnormal. If your spirit says, no, 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 there is a, a guard that God's already put inside of you. That your child goes, oh, no, I'm not ready for that. Like, oh, that's gross. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that, right? Because yep. they're not ready. And what we're doing, and this is Flash the Flash curriculum. This is Flash curriculum. And what we're doing 
is we're trying to desensitize them to matters of human sexuality and then everything that comes with that. Yes. And they readily admit they want kids to be comfortable talking to each other about sex. The theory is if they are, then uh, they will make wiser decisions when it comes to sexual activity. They'll be able to talk about using birth control or waiting. I don't think that's true. Yeah. And uh, when you look at the statistics for comprehensive sexual education curriculums and the outcomes, the outcomes show that's not true either. This is just I, I'm I'm looking at I'm 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 speechless actually. I will uh, put up some of these on the show notes today for people to see pictures of what is happening in our schools. It's it's yeah. just it's so sad to me, and we know that this is happening not just in Washington State. It's all over the country, it's correct? All over the country, all yeah. over the country. Um, and you know, it's I will admit it's to greater degrees in some states than others. You know, it's to a greater degree here in Washington State than say, oh, North Dakota, but it is coming. Um, if not already there, into schools all across the state. Mm-hmm. The teachers' union is pushing yep. this. Yep. Um, and so we are ch- we're telling people what is going on. We're showing them what is going on. And these are a lot of people still don't know yet, but we don't want to leave it at that. We want to give them tools for what they can do. And so this, when we come to an area and we do a conference, it's not a one and done. It's not, yeah, come learn, then go home and go on with your life. No, we are encouraging the directors who uh, or the planners of that conference to um, get together with the people who came and to continue this going and to um, go to school board meetings, to uh, get to know the policies, the curriculum, what is in the school. And most of all, we are encouraging people to run for their local school board. Yes. In November, we have 830 school board positions across the state that will be up for election. And that's 830 opportunities to have um, conservative Christians in those positions. So the outcome of that is we get enough people into these positions, um, the Washington State School Directors Association, WASDA is what we call it, we now have um, a number of school directors who are involved in WASDA who have started a conservative caucus. And they are bringing policies to WASDA that will turn back some of this and put control back in the hands of parents. They can also get onto the WASDA board. Um, They have a direct line to the governor, a direct line to our superintendent in the state. So if we can change WASDA, we can really start changing things here in Washington State in our schools. But it means that people need to run. We need Christians to run and get in these seats. And when they get in there, they have got to get involved in WASDA. Right now, when you look at WASDA policies or uh, their workshops that they offer, I mean, they look just as woke as the teachers. Oh, because they are. 
But, you know, they're controlled by the school directors. So you change the school directors who are involved in WASDA, you change WASDA. Last year, uh, when they had their general assembly, which is where they pick their, um, their legislative priorities, WASDA does, and they vote on policy and, and positions and all that sort of thing. We have 295 districts in the state of Washington. Only 127 districts participated. The year before, it was 75. Well, you know where those districts are. They're in the big cities like Seattle and Olympia and Tacoma. They're all on the west side of the state, which is... They're leftist. Leftist. Except for me and you. Sam's like, I'm on the... Hey, wait. No, not all of us. (laughs) But, you know, when you um, you look at the state... There are more conservative areas right. than leftist areas. All they need to do is show up and participate. Boy, I just want to highlight that you said that because uh, I know, Sam, you and I have talked about this before. Yep. Just show up. For goodness sake, yep. show up, you guys. Show like up. These are our kids. At what point are we going to be angry about it? It makes me want to weep. I mean, it's, it's, it's 90% of the reason I ran for Congress. I'm looking around me and I'm like, where are the men and women who are willing to put their lives on the line to say, no, not on my watch, not anymore, no more ground. Uh, Sam, what do you say to uh, to people who are just thinking, they're they're just considering, you know, maybe it's just because, and we're obviously we're talking about WASDA and we're talking about what's going on in Washington State, but, I, but this podcast is heard by tens of thousands of people all over the nation. And I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. This is everywhere. It's not just Washington. It's not just Oregon and, you know, crazy California. It's the country. It's yeah. the whole country. And we. I, I'm going to read this. This is so interesting uh, from the notebook that you gave me, Jen. But, but there are quotes in here from parents. And this person's from Battleground again. Not to pick on Battleground, but I live there. It makes me so mad I can't see straight. She said, hi, I'm not sure where to look for this information. I'm wondering if you can help me. My son has autism. And as a freshman at Battleground High School in Clark County, at the beginning of the year, they asked him what his gender was. And they want to know what his preferred name is. Now, the thing that bothers me about this is they're circumventing the role of parents. They're going to go around and they're going to say, let's, let's, what do you, th- you know, without your parents' permission, what's your preferred name? What's your pronoun? She said, this is new to us, but since J- uh, Jaden uh, has a hard time with, because of his disability, he has chosen to change his gender and his preferred name at school. As his legal guardian, I don't feel this is a great choice for him, but at the same time, his social emotional age love is 10 years old. And they're essentially praying on these kids. Can you, can you point me in the right direction, she says, so I can understand my legal rights. I, I want this to stop immediately. I think most parents don't want this in the schools. And yet, Sam, we, we're, we're still seeing the vast majority of people are quiet. They're not yep. showing up to, to school board meetings. Um, how, how, how do we get people to care about this enough to engage? And by engage, I don't, not everybody's going to run for office, right? But for goodness sake, a lot of us should be. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. First of all, just getting the word out there, this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, because um, the left have, has a good way of, of tweaking things or, or redefining words. And, oh, this doesn't happen in the schools. It's only the teachers that are being taught that. Well, trickle down, you know, whatever you teach mm-hmm. the teachers is going to come down. So they, they're good at kind of like uh, throwing out all these fig leaves and, and people uh, who are not experiencing this maybe firsthand are satisfied with the pat answers. Um, so I think we need to tell the truth what it really is and what's going on. And then also coming alongside and equip, uh, whether that is um, 
showing how you can find out more information, how to run for school board, but then also come alongside people that are willing to do that. Um, because it's when you stick your neck out, as you know, it's you, you make yourself a bullseye right oh, away. Oh, I know. And, and that's where um, it's so important to have the people um, coming alongside, whether they do not run for office, but if someone does, that there's people praying and supporting and helping and, and getting the word out there because um, people are good at having opinions, but putting you know feet on the ground is hard. Um, but it's time to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to bring the issues up and keep And the support it. systems, right, are mm-hmm. just as important as the person who runs. Yep. So if you find a person who's willing to run for, for Congress or school board or city council, whatever it is, uh, you know, come alongside and pray for yeah. him, help. I mean, that's what keeps these warriors in the game is realizing I'm not out here alone. You know, for every Moses that God calls the front line, there has to be an Aaron, yeah. you know, right next to him, holding up, holding up their arms and a Miriam, right? Holding up their arms and saying, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. I mean, don't leave these people alone to go to these meetings. Go together. You can go together, right? I yeah. mean, I feel like that's kind of their safety in numbers. I know when I started going to the school board meetings, I was terrified. Until I saw Jennifer, you know, until I saw Dawn, you know, until I saw Wendy. And then I'm like, oh, there's other, you know, I got another question for you, Sam, not to put you on the spot. But we have now uh, in this country have demonized men, right? We have we have toxic masculinity. And most of who we see go into these school board meetings are women. I mean, to be honest, it's women who are testifying on behalf of their children that are being. injured in the schools. How do we get the men engaged again? Um, I just did a show last week about this because, I mean, and you guys know my heart on this, but the the feminist movement has not done nothing but injure women, you know, outside of, you know, yes, we want the right to vote. Yes, equal pay for equal work, right. whatever. We're way beyond <laughs> now, yep. right? So we've demonized our men. We've emasculated our men. Now you see feminized men all over, yep. all over creation. And yet we've got transgenders taking the places of women in sports. We've got all kinds of issues happening. How do we reach the heart of these men? Because the women need the men. As, I just yep. want to cry. You guys are in there. I'm, I'm just so like my heart is breaking. Here these women are out there just on their own. And partly because we told the men, get out of here. Anything you can do, we can do better. And so the men were like, see ya. Right? Yeah. How do we get them to engage again? I think um, there needs to be healthy role models of what it means to be a man. Um, I think um, we need to re rediscover what biblical manhood is like, and uh, be willing to talk about that. Mm, and good. even though it's going to not sit well with uh, culture in some ways, uh, and I'm not talking about you know ruling over women. That's not at all. No, because that's not biblical manhood. No, it's not. You just said biblical manhood, and people go, "That's the patriarchy." Yeah. No, you must you must misunderstand the yeah. heart of God. Yeah, exactly. So um, to to show that uh, it's okay to be a man and what that means, and and, and it's good to be a man. And, and that my women, husband says that a lot. Yeah. It's good to be a man. <laughs> and how women wants to be wanted and yes. and wants to be cared for and. And that's okay to be strong, but it's it's uh, meekness, right? It's strength under control. And I think we are seeing uh, this push that either you completely emasculate the man mm-hmm. and he is uh, super softy that has no will or desire on his own, mm-hmm. or you see the total opposite, which I think is tied into the whole sex education, right? Absolutely. That do whatever you want, and it's all about sleeping around as much as possible yep. and a total other ditch of what it means to be a man. And that's not right. And we see that in, in a culture today where you have, have 
you know, basically men that are boys who doesn't know what it means to be a man or be a father. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they leave their, their, the girls with the kids or whatever. And, and you see uh, um, this whole issue of, of fatherlessness yeah. that is also impacting. And I think that's in part because of the sexualization of, of kids. And it's, it's all tied together. And ultimately, as, as a believer, we see the danger this, this shows in regards to um, the, the nucleus of the family, right? And how through the sexualization, through pornography, how, how men has become so, um, to such an extent, and this is even in the church, bound up by, by pornography, that it, they can't relate to a normal person. And um, so it's, it's, it's not counter one imbalance with another imbalance, but finding what is, what is God's balance in what it means to be a man of you know being a man after your own word hard worker uh you're committed you you stand firm you you are an oak as it talks about in the bible right but at the same time you are loving and caring and you take responsibility and and you do the right thing and instead of what feels good what what's the easy way out you and know? it's frontline stuff like i i'm thinking you know we're the, the education is the front lines of the culture war yep and we're sending our women to the front lines <laughs> All the time, you know, and I'm just like, the men need to be at the front lines of this war. We need our men. You know, uh, if I might interject here, um, a few weeks ago, my pastor at uh, my church was teaching on in the Bible where it says, um, women submit to your husbands, men love your wives. And we're always hearing, usually you hear when a pastor is preaching on this, Women, 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 women submit, submit, women, women, you got to submit. Husbands, love your wife. Okay, see you next Sunday. But I have never heard um, anyone put it the way he did. He said, women, when you choose to get married, you're choosing submission. Men, when you choose to get married, you're choosing crucifixion. It's true. And it says, men, leave your families and cleave to your wife. You're dying to self in order to protect your wife, to love her, to nurture her. And so uh, men are choosing crucifixion just like Christ chose crucifixion. You're right. It is the harder role. And I I heard uh, Jay speak about this one time when we were at a a conference together. And he was saying, you know, we hear, you know, uh, women uh, submit to your husbands. But then you're right. We gloss over the husbands of your wife. Well, he said, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He died he for her. He died for it. He died for the church. He died for her. And I think, and, and my husband was telling these men, that is your role, to protect, to cover, to die if necessary, to to be the, the protector and the provider and the covering for your family. And we don't see that in the culture anymore. And I think, you know, largely, and I understand this, having come from a background of abuse, there have been many Christian men over the years who have used the Bible to... Uh, to indulge in their own fleshly desires. I'm the king of my, house, my, my castle. God says to submit. Well, then you misunderstand the heart of God. Yep. If, if, that's, if that's the only thing you took out of that verse, you misunderstand the heart of God, right? There has to be order in the home. And I have, I have yet to meet a godly woman who does not long to submit to the leadership of a godly man. This is how God has created us. It's how yep. we're wired to be. And we've, we've kind of gotten away from the message and I'm glad to see it coming back. Are you seeing a resurgence, Sam, where you guys are? Are people willing to talk about it, wanting to engage? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, uh, 
you know, I, I think this is also the fruit of what's, what we've seen in the church for a long time. You know, as a youth pastor for nine years, it was so hard to get parents to be involved even in the spiritual yeah, raising of their yes, kids, right? 100%. And then so are we surprised then seeing that in the schools, which is just another outflow where it's it's farmed out, the education of our kids. And I think we need to, if we want to get men involved in education, I think it's becoming the man of the house again, right? Yeah. And leading the uh, the house, leading the, fa- leading the family in faith. Yeah. But I think because of where things are at, I'm hopeful that, that it's going to wake people up. Mm-hmm. And we'll see more people stepping up and being involved and saying, this is not okay anymore. Mm-hmm. I, we need to regain this. And, yeah. and, uh, and I wish we would have not gotten to this point, but we can't stay here. It has to change. Yeah, it has to change. Absolutely right. And that's what you guys are doing. Uh, really quick, we're going to uh, wrap up this, this segment and then go into happy hour. But I, I'd like to, Jennifer, if you could just tell everybody really quick where they can find. I'm speaking there this Saturday. I'm pulling a double header because I'm <laughs> yes, speaking you for are. you guys in the morning. And then I'm coming back here and I'm speaking for the the fundraiser that we're having here for the Homeschool Resource Center. But tell everybody what's going on in Longview at Father's House Church this Saturday. It is this Saturday, uh, April 15th from 9 to 3 p.m., if you want more information, you can go to fpiw.org, and uh, there you can register for it. We have five different speakers who will be speaking on different subjects as it relates to education. Each one of them has calls to action, and that is the big push, is a call to action, not just running for school board, but as you said, supporting those candidates, going to school board meetings. That's where you find out. What is coming down the pipeline? Are they going to be looking at new curriculums, getting on some of those committees? It's very reasonably priced. Um, It's only $35 to come. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a total bargain for what you're getting. And they're getting lunch. And they're getting all that in a bag of chips. We're feeding them. We're not only lunch. We're going to have morning muffins and... uh, and it's going to be um, incredibly informative. We have other groups that will be coming and having booths there um, from private schools, homeschools, uh, Christian curriculum. So a lot of just of great information. Yes. And for those of you who are uh, want more information, just visit the Family Policy Institute of Washington. I'll link back to it in the show notes again today. Again. Uh, that is happening this Saturday, April 15th from 9 to 3. I will be there speaking in the morning, and uh, I cannot wait. And uh, we've got some really a great lineup of speakers. I love that Representative Jim Walsh will be there. It's good to see our lawmakers not afraid to come into churches and actually talk about what's happening uh, in in our in our country and happening in our states. You guys, thank you so much for coming, driving all the way down here, Sam. Uh, you didn't drive, uh, Jennifer didn't quite, quite as far no. as <laughs> Sam did, but I appreciate you guys coming in studio and being willing to have these conversations. Again, I continue to just look at this book that you gave me, Jennifer, and it just, it's making my heart hurt. Like all the stuff that they're showing, little kids in Camas, Washington, Chehalis, Washougal, Central, Kitsap, Marysville, Issaquah, all over the state of Washington. Something has to change. Something has to change. And it starts with us. Thank you guys for coming on the show. I appreciate having you here. Thanks for having us. I'll see you again in just a few minutes at happy hour. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to the show today. If this has been encouraging to you, and I hope that it has, Please send this out on your social media platforms or leave a review for us over at iTunes, wherever podcasts are available. 
If you're interested in doing a deep dive with me and spending just a little bit more time with my guests, uh, you're going to want to subscribe to Happy Hour, and that is coming up right now. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.